You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. This is episode 49, and uh, we're, I'm Brandon. And I'm Allison. 49. I can't believe it. It's almost 50. Almost 50 here almost on 50. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That is today, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we're recording late in honor of this day, and but now that it's nighttime and you know microbes don't sleep, we'll we'll record now. Yeah, I think it's a good time. Um, and they don't sleep, so they're probably well. They kind of go in and out of sleep. Oh, they do. They sleep. I always thought it, you know, just microbes well, are so hardcore and they didn't sleep. Well, maybe not. Maybe they like hibernate or something like that, or kind of go inactive for a small period of time. I guess I don't that's know, true. Actually, <laughs> no that 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 makes sense. I mean, yes, they'll they'll they don't do anything, but. When I think sleep, I think, you know, like dreaming or different things. Microbes, I don't think dream. I assume they don't. Unless we really just don't know anything about anything, which is possible too. That would too. be a pretty amazing discovery if someone made, discovered that microbes and, in, in, you know, sleep and have a dream stage and REM sleep just like we do. But it's just like, I would think of it more like as whales. Whales don't really sleep. Or they like shut off half of their brain and one one half sleeps and the other half sleeps and they switch or don't people kind of do that when they're like driving and stuff. Um, Oh, I'm sure they do. They're kind of just shutting off things. (laughs) At five o'clock in rush hour. I think a lot of people who are on the road, I think they're half awake, half asleep doing that zonked out, like zombie type drive back, back to wherever their houses are. (laughs) Yeah. With his, uh, luckily I don't have to do those kind of drives very often, but when I have around that time, it's like with as many accidents as I see sometimes it's like, yeah, people have to be zoned out. It's, yeah, uh, it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty amazed how many cars are on the side of the road when I'm driving home, um, here in Southern California. So it's, you, I mean, well, I that makes know. me wonder, do whales crash into each other when their brains are half asleep or, or, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I asked my husband that question a few weeks ago, just, just randomly because we were, um, we were, we were out by the ocean and we saw dolphins or something, um, and it just made me think like, oh, I don't remember, remember learning about that in school about dolphins and whales. And it just made me think like, do they go to sleep? I can't remember. So we looked it up online and they kind of like, I think they kind of like go to a, not in the open ocean, but kind of like find a place to, if they can, to kind of get away from everyone else. Like, I think. So it's their, their bed is just an open secluded section of water. You know, it's similar to, it's, it's similar. Yeah. To kind of what it, we do. It's just, yeah. they don't have anywhere to lay down. I, same like yeah. microbes. Microbes, like microbes don't have any, they don't have anywhere to lay down. At least they, they, they may sleep. They may become inactive. They may do whatever. Maybe they even dream, but they, they, they can't lay down. Right. No, I don't think so. Um, Reason but I do want to give everyone an update on my sourdough starter. I know last week we were talking about it and, um, it's live. It is very active, like overflowing and, in the glass bowl. I have it in right now. And more importantly, does it have a name now? I, you know, I thought about it all week. I had a name picked out, but then I realized it's, it's not in, it's, it's a collection of bacteria and yeast since it's a sourdough starter and it has to have the yeast and the bacteria to, you know, make it work right. So it's not like a pure colony or pure type of yeast or bacteria since it's a cornucopia of different types. I kind of feel like I need to give it like a, a name of like a town or something because there's lots of stuff in there and lots of stuff are happening. If it was like a single, if I knew it was like lactobacillus 
species, then I'd probably name it something just like Bill. But since it's not, it's like a collection of different types of microbes. I'm still thinking about what to name it. But Does that make sense? It makes sense in some ways. And it like, and then in other ways, I kind of think that, well, what are we really? I mean, we like are uh, a, a large organism based on a lot of organisms and microorganisms. And I mean, we wouldn't really be here if it weren't for all the microorganisms that help us function, or at least as far as I know, we probably wouldn't be, or wouldn't have at least evolved to where we are. So, you know, I mean, there's, we're all kind of like interconnected and doing different things. And so I think it's just how a person frames it. And yes, I understand if you want to frame it as a town or a city or, or an entire universe that works, I can, I can buy that. But I, I think partly I just feel like it's kind of just an excuse. Like you just didn't take the time to think about what to name your new pet. No, I really did. Um, I was going to name it. Well, well, it's, this is what started the com- or the thought process in my mind. I thought, Hmm, Sam, it probably needs to be like an alliteration. So it needs to start with an S and I thought, Sam, that's a good name. Um, but then I realized like it's this collection of yeast. Um, or at first I, when I was half thinking, I must've using been just using half of my brain because I was like oh it's just yeast and but yeast are they bud and they're not really you can't define them as being like a boy or a girl I was I mean I got like really deep into thought about this like this was not just like I'm gonna name it Susan or whatever um so I was just like no that's see I just can't name it I guess I could name it like just a very general name so it's doesn't really give a definition of a boy or a girl so you know, I hope this isn't offensive, but like Pat, Pat's kind of one of those names um, where it could go either way. But then I realized like, oh, but there's bacteria in it and there's yeast and it's not all the same. And so I probably need to name it like the name of like a town, you know, like I put a lot of thought into it and that's why I haven't named it. <laughs> I took it like three steps too far. That okay. Well, I'll I'll give you a little bit of of lax and on on that. But, it, but at the same time, are you gonna are you are you just then giving up, or or do you think you're going to name it something eventually? I will name it. I will name it. I'm still thinking of like a really good name for it. I'm kind of I'm still on the fence about naming it like town, um, or something like that. That's something. But I'm still not sure what to do. I think my brain overloaded. Well, with we, what to do about it. So I think I need like one more week and then I'll tell everyone I will reveal my, my starter's name, but on my the sta- big five Oh episode, five Oh episode. There you go. Um, but it, it's, it's growing so well that I don't know what to do with all of the, like, it, I just have too much. I have too much sourdough. Starter. Are, so are you against discarding? Um, well, I started discarding it and then I realized like, oh, I could make um, pancakes out of this and we'll have them for dinner. And it's kind of instead of just like normal bread, we'll just have like put some butter on it and eat it like like um, pita or something like that. We did that for a few days and then we kind of got tired of it. So now I'm giving it away to friends because it's growing so well. So are, are they appreciating it? Or is this one of those things where it's like, please take my sourdough and they're like, no, no. <laughs> No, um, one girl, she really, I haven't given it to her yet because I still need to, um, write some instructions cause she's not, she's kind of new on the fermentation thing. And so she kind of wants to make sure that she feeds it right. And she's, um, 
she's, she's just a very caring person. And so she'll take really good care of it, but she just wants to make sure that it's kind of like when you, when you ask a friend to watch your pet and they want to do a really good job and they don't want to mess up and might hurt your feelings if they like forget to feed your dog, you know, a whole cup instead of the two cups that you asked him or something like that. So, um, I still have to give her some, but no, most of the people I give it to are, they're like, oh yeah, they're really into it or wanting to get into it. So it's pretty, it's an easy thing to start with sourdough. Oh yeah. It's a, yeah. Well, and the nice thing is, is that if a person does neglect it and not name it and let it die, then, you know, it's easy enough to find from someone else. I mean, it's not that odd of a, of a ferment for people to be doing. I mean, it's in, in, I think I would think of a lot of people not even really considering it as much in the, in the realm of fermentation, or if a person's not aware of fermentation, that it's kind of just, it's sourdough starter. It's a natural leave in bread. It's not necessarily fermentation in the fermentation sense. Yes. People know it's yeast, but people have a pretty desensitized sense of yeast. I feel too, since we can just get it in a package. It's like, it's the one thing that's not it's fermentation. It's sciencey sort of with the, the instant active yeast and whatnot. But at the same time, it's so commonplace that people don't question it. I feel. Yeah, no, I I'm with you on that. I don't think a lot of people, um, realize that it's a fermentation product because, you know, you, you go see bread and you see tons of it all over the place. Um, and the, the bread in the store is different than, um, sourdough bread. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like you have all the, you have lots of access to active dry yeast and um, all kinds of stuff. So it doesn't really, you don't need to have a sourdough starter to make bread. And I think that's where some of the confusion is with the fermentation. Well, I would, uh, the other thing I just thought of too, was in regard to the yeast in general. And then even if someone is going to use sourdough, the other reason why it's not weird is because people generally do bake things at home, or at least it's not thought of as odd to bake things at home. It's commonplace for even someone that doesn't cook or bake or anything to do it every once in a while. And they might just get some yeast. Whereas for other things, generally someone kind of has to actively pursue or get some kind of knowledge from someone else or, or learn something else about fermentation in general, like be it alcohol or, or vegetables or, or any other kind of ferment. They're not as commonplace. So at least not in, in, in the society we live in today, it's not as commonplace. So yeah, it's like sourdough. I don't think anyone thinks that's weird or at least not many people like, and I don't think anyone really questions about leaving it on the countertop for a few hours or different things like that. So it's, it's, it's interesting how the mindset can be just so nonchalant towards one thing. And then people think about fermentation sometimes and they're like, Oh, that's scary. Leaving stuff on the counter working with microbes. Yeah. And well, the, the sharing thing of like sourdough, it reminds me of like when I was little, my mom never had did this, but, um, a lot of her friends had friendship bread and it was, it was just basically a sourdough starter that they would share with other people. And no one really understood how it worked or what it did. They just thought like, Oh, I'll give you half of this. And then you split it and make bread of it. And then you give it to someone else and you know, you keep sharing it, which was, I mean, that's what I'm doing. So I guess it's my friendship starter. What is, um, what is friend? I mean, I guess I, I, now that you mentioned it, I think of that, but at the same time, it's like, it's not like a, it's not something I think of as sourdough. So what is it? Is it just a, like a, a, like a sourdough starter or is it a different form of, of yeasters or something different? No, I think it's like the same thing. Like the first person who makes it, whoever it is, um, 
they make it and then they do the same thing like you would with a sourdough starter. They grow it a little bit and then they give it half, they split off a little bit of it um, and give it to a friend and that person feeds it um, and then uses that to make bread. And then they themselves take the friendship bread starter and split that in half. And it just kind of, it's kind of like one of those Ponzi scheme things where you just, it's the same kind of pyramid scheme where you just like one person starts and it just kind of like keeps going out and out and out. And I think that people like further down the line, it should be more sour and more like sourdough starter than the person at the very peak of the pyramid. That's kind of how I understand it, but I don't really know what's, what's made of it. I mean, I, no one has ever given me a friendship bread starter as an adult and my mom didn't do it when we were little, but I just remember hearing like going to friends' houses or like my aunt's doing it and talking about it. Wow. I didn't really know anything about it. Is there a little pent up, uh, like disappointment or whatnot with this? I mean, you kind of sound a little sad about not ever having gotten one. (laughs) I was maybe a little sad. My mom, but my mom didn't make a lot of bread, um, at home, but it wasn't sourdough bread. It was just, um, you know, mixing bread flour with water and the um, active dry yeast and letting it rise and um, that kind of thing. So we still made bread at home, so I didn't really care. It was delicious. But um, the I I think it was kind of scary to my mom, the sourdough starter, because you did leave it on the countertop, and that's just so taboo and, like, what you do with food. Well, it's – I'm sorry. I just looked here, too. At the, the, it's um, Amish friendship bread is how it's referred to on Wikipedia, and I think for something like this, Wikipedia would probably be pretty accurate. It is just, yeah, sourdough starter, often in a, a sweet bread. Like, is that what you're familiar with? Like a coffee cake or, or pound cake kind of style? Um, That sounds familiar. The other thing that I remember my aunts making a lot of was some sort of like fermented fruit that you would. Again, I don't remember how they would make it, but I just remember going to their house and they had fruit fermenting in like a bowl. And it uh, was like alcohol frothy. fermentation. Um. If it was, we didn't know it and we ate it and it was, I mean. It was some really good fruit. (laughs) It was really good fruit. I don't remember. (laughs) Maybe that's why I don't remember. I remember eating it, but I don't remember thinking it was alcoholic or something like that. So (laughs) I don't know what else they'd be doing. I mean, without a lot of salt or anything to combat all the yeast. Um, I don't know. Were they? Maybe they, I I bet they only did it for like set it out for a very short period of time, like eight hours or 24 hours or something. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd get some fermenting fruit when I was in the uh, Southeast Asia and whatnot. It's like leave some durian fruit out or something cut. It's like that stuff ferments quick. Oh, yeah. Wait, I'm, did you say durian fruit? Is that the one that smells really bad? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's some people think smells bad, but. Well, I, I, yeah, I've never smelled it myself. I just know that um, in certain subways, it's like um, they have all those signs that say like, watch your step and watch, you know, no smoking. And then it has like a picture of the fruit and it's like X'd out. Really? There's a lot of, yeah, yeah. Um, my husband took a picture of it when he was in Singapore um, um, a few months ago. So I'll ask him if he still has it and I'll send it to you. It's really funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I could, oh, well, yeah, I just did a no durian sign and and there's all kinds of signs all over the place. And it's a, it's a very obvious, like it's an easy picture to to make uh, specific. Um, like it's like you see this like bomb type little fruit and it looks like durian. Yeah. And is there another picture? Um, is it by other pictures of like no smoking or like no, 
Oh, yeah, here's one. Loitering or something like that. So it's just kind of funny how it's placed in there. It's all these signs that make sense to you. And then you're like, what? No fruit? What? But yeah, no, I heard it smells really bad. I don't know. Like, yeah, it smells. It can. But I don't know. I guess I need to smell. It's been quite a few years since I smelled it. So maybe I, I mean, I don't remember seeing a bunch of signs. So maybe I was just oblivious to it or something or something else. So like, maybe I, maybe I need to, to re reapproach Durian and uh, see if it's as not as stinky as I remember, but you know, maybe, maybe you need to do some uh, Durian fermented fruit. Yeah. I don't States. know. Um, I know that they do. There is an Asian grocery store um, just up the street from us that has it. Um, and there you it's go. in the it's in the freezer section, so I'm assuming that it, they think it smells really bad too. Because if you freeze, you know, if you freeze stuff, it doesn't. It's not as the smells are not as potent as, or the aromas aren't as potent as if they were sitting in at room temperature. Um, so maybe maybe I'll go buy some. I've just I've just heard that it just smells awful. Um, and but no one can describe to me what that smells like. They just said, "Oh, it smells awful." Like does it smell like. Rats. Yeah, there's an entire section on it in Wikipedia too. I mean, Wikipedia is just the thing to do tonight, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, check it out. There's a there's a whole section on uh, the uh, the aroma or odor, flavor and odor. There you go. Huh. Interesting. Well, if I ever pick up some durian fruit, I will make sure I do not take it on any sort of public transit system. Yeah, but people won't know what it is here for the most part, so you can get it's, away with it and just. I'm, I mean, there's just some pretty bad smells in San Diego with some sections of where all the homeless people are. So they may not, they may be a, a, a pleasant smell compared to um, certain areas of San Diego. <laughs> we'll have to follow up on that one there. Let us know. What, let us know what you think. Yeah. But anyway, so um, moving on um, because you, you sent me some really interesting articles that um, I have glanced through, haven't read, but maybe you want to talk about them. Oh, well, the one that popped out to me uh, before we started the show was uh, that mozzarella wins the biggest piece of America's growing cheese pie with the average person, I think, consuming 11.5 pounds a year, which is more than cheddar, which is 9.6 as the generally is the the most consumed cheese by Americans. Hmm. I'm, su- I'm slightly surprised that it's not cheddar, but cheddar being the number one cheese. Um, but not anymore. I'm- not anymore. Um, do you think this has a correlate? I don't, I mean, this might be interesting to look up really fast. If pizza consumption has increased in the past few years, because I would assume that maybe people, you eat, most people put mozzarella cheese on pizza. Yeah, I would think, well, I think that this is talking about both. This article was referencing Mexican food and Italian food and both being uh, very much so popular, but also the same way to differentiate themselves from other Italian and Mexican places using more cheese is one way to draw more customers in. So it's not just that people are eating more of it by full on, well, they're choosing it, but at the same time, uh, restaurants are using more. And again, this data, it would be based on certain things, not including all of us people that make cheese ourselves, or I don't even know how that factors in like artisanal cheeses where that fits. But I, the only, the only reason why I really thought about this article was because I've been having some trouble with my mozzarella stretching. It's not stretching this, this, this past batch that I made. It's just, have you made mozzarella before? 
I have um, a, a the long quick time kind ago. or the real kind. The real kind. Okay. Um, where you, yeah, where you like stretch it and all kinds of stuff. But um, fermented, not the uh, no, quick not acidified. Ferm- yeah, I guess that's yeah. I've usually just done the quick acidified one. We don't talk about that on a fermented podcast. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that's for a different show. <laughs> but but the the benefit of doing that is that you have a little bit more control over the the pH level. Correct? Isn't that the idea behind that? Like you're yeah, because that's what yeah, because that's what you're adjusting and. And specifying and making like that's what your target point is to and get the cheese. did you use a ph meter you know i don't remember i bet we did <laughs> because that makes it so much easier but it's just like with all the gadgets that i like a ph meter is the one thing that i have not been convinced of yet if anyone uses one and can really convince me of i'd really love to 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 know how much easier it makes. I mean, I know it would make mozzarella cheese a lot easier. I know maybe certain other things would be interesting, but like mozzarella is really the only thing that I can think of that I would use it for. And then the expense of that up front, sure. Like you can get decent ones for under a hundred dollars, but then I need to probably also get the, the calibration liquids to, to, to make sure it remains accurate. And I don't want to get some cheap, cheap one because then I won't even know if it's accurate or not. Anyway, kind of like two of my thermometers that I've used for a long time, that just, I can't even calibrate them anymore. They just like, just totally, just both just stopped working at yeah. once. And they were both like really cheap, but oh. they, they worked, worked well for many years and they just stopped. And that, so that was sad. And so like the idea of getting a, like, I still have a sore spot in my, my heart for my, my old thermometers. And, uh, and now I'm like using a, an analog one, mm-hmm. but, uh, and, and it, and it works at least I like, I can calibrate that one with a little, that little widget knob thing or, or whatnot, but, but like a pH meter that would make it so much easier. And I could just know, but instead it's like, I'm testing at different points and I'm, I, I, I missed it. I missed the, the, the sweet point on, on this time, but I had left it for, I had checked it multiple times doing stretch tests. If for people that aren't familiar with, with mozzarella, it's, it's a, it's a stretched, uh, pasta filata cheese. So it's, it's a stretched curd cheese. So in order to get that nice, uh, melting and stretchiness of the traditional mozzarella kind of thing. It has to go through a acidification um, process, getting it at like somewhere around five, 5.2 pH level is when if the cheese is dunked into uh, like 170 to 180, 190 uh, degree Fahrenheit temperatures, then it will, uh, th- it will just I can't remember what the, the, the process is that's going on, but it, it makes it so that the, the proteins bind differently or the polysaccharides, or I don't remember, maybe you do, but it allows it to, to, for whatever it is, whichever element it is, that's, that's allows them to slide evenly across each other and allows it to stretch and it can stretch really far. And I could get it to stretch a little bit before and after the sweet spot, but I definitely crossed over the sweet spot and it took like a, I, I mean, I, I put it in the refrigerator overnight and then got back to it the next day because that works if the, the bacteria are really slow at getting to it, but this, it just, it didn't work and it's sad. Hmm. Yeah, no, you should really, uh, well, the thing is about a P going back to the pH meter thing. I've never had a really good experience with a pH meter. That's like less than $200. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of experience working in a lab and the luxury of using very nice pH meters, but what's the difference? What's the difference 
I want to. I think it's just like the quality of them. Um, I've used one that was maybe like fifty dollars, and it, it, it. You're right. It's the calibration. Um, it's just not very good. It's not as sensitive, and you have to calibrate it every single time you use it. Um, and they just have really bad probes in there. Just you know, because they're making them so cheap, um, they're using inexpensive materials. So um, it's just it's just not as quality as like you would hope. Thinking like, oh, this pH meter, I can get it for a hundred bucks. Um, but the the higher end ones, those are those are you know scientific grade, and they're usually used in labs and that sort of thing. So they have very very sensitive um, probes, and then the just the way that you store them um, is slightly different than a normal p a, a slightly lower end pH meter. So it's they're just designed to last longer too because you spend so much money on them. See, yeah, you're just talking me out of this. <laughs> Which- it would be worth it if you could find. You were talking about that um, re that restore um, out by your house I, with I wonder, the university. I, I wonder bet they would have something like that, and you just have to replace the probe, which is the expensive part of the pH meter. But then you, I mean, that if you don't have to buy the whole thing and you just have to buy the probe, maybe it'd be worth it. Maybe it might. I mean, I also think that that would probably be given that certain items are probably hot ticket items would be more likely that something like a pH meter would probably be on their auction system as opposed to like, just go and pick it up. But, um, I figure people would want a pH meter if they, if like, I, I figured there's gotta be people that are wanting it for different things. And since they are so expensive, I might have to like, uh, arm wrestle someone for it. Yeah, probably. Um, the other thing that I really want to get that I thought of this week when I was thinking it going, talking about my sourdough again, um, I really want to buy a microscope. Um, I don't have one in my house, um, but I would really love one and they're not that expensive. Um, so do you not need an expensive one? And, and also what magnification would you go to? I would get, um, like up to, well, it just, I would get at least like 40 X where you can see yeast. Um, uh, and that you can see yeast at that magnification. If you need, you would need an oil immersion microscope to see bacteria. Um, and I would maybe do that depending on how much it was. But um, I know that you can buy a microscope at like Costco or even um, that. I, I know I've seen it in that magazine that's in the in the pocket seat of an airplane. Um it is really slipping my mind the name of that magazine. They have all kinds of weird stuff in it. Um, but you can buy a microscope. It's like $200. And they, and I've used one like that before because I, I had a friend that bought one out of this magazine. And they showed it to me. And it worked great. Um, and it has like an LCD display on it. So you don't have to have look through the oculars. Um, and so, you know, anyone can see it. And I really would just want it so I can just like watch my little yeasts grow and make sure that they're you know, growing at the right time and kind of do some more troubleshooting that way for fermentations. What do you, um, what kind of like, what's the, what X do you need for, for yeast? It needs to be, um, let's see, there's 10. And then the next one up is 40 X, um, which is a little stronger They're, I think they're like one micro, one microbe long from, I mean, this is coming this, I can't remember how long yeasts are, but they're long enough that you don't need a really high magnification to see them. Would 375 X work? Yes. Because I remember seeing this a long time ago and I wanted to make it. 
you just reminded me about instructables.com. Are you familiar with that? It's like a place that people make DIY uh, projects and they, they blog about it pretty much and, and, and make tutorials for DIY projects on anything. Hmm, no, I haven't. I haven't heard of that, but that sounds really interesting. I'll put it in the show notes, a $10 smartphone to digital microscope conversion so that you're, you know, all those things you're talking about, not having to look through oculars. It's that it uses a little lens and setting glass up to a certain uh, space. Let me send this to you so you can, so you can look at this as well. And it allows you to um, use your camera phone and view it live and zoom into and different stuff. And you can go up to, if you use two lenses, which would make it a little bit more. Otherwise it's 175 X. So for $10, you can make 175 X thing that looks pretty sweet. And you can take the photos or video on your phone. Uh, that's really cool. Um, I may have to invest in this, um, app. Well, no, it's, it's not, it's like you, you, you would need to, uh, there's no app. It's just your phone. Like it's just your camera, whatever you can use any camera. Um, Oh, uh, I see. I see what it is. Okay. Sorry. So it's, it's a lens totally that this one's actually the lens. You can buy stronger ones elsewhere, but it's actually coming out of a led light or, or not an led light, um, a laser pointer, I think. And oh, so mm-hmm. it's, it's the little lens inside the laser point that then is put at a proper distance with plexiglass or glass, a uh, little setup. And if I'll again, put this in the show notes for, and people can see it, but stuff looks kind of cool. That'd be far. Like you'd be able to see the yeast, right? With the photos that you're looking at. uh, I think so. Um, I mean, those are, well, first off, those are pretty clear pictures and that's pretty amazing from your, um, the camera from your phone. I, and you could record, you, you can record them moving on your phone and then just tweet about it or do whatever. Show show people my little yeast friends. Um, (laughs) No, that looks really neat. I'm going to have to look, read the read it and um, probably invest $10 into it. Um, you, you, this looks pretty easy, too. You just need some wood and plexiglass and some a, a drill and a few other items. So, yeah. And then I then then you should do it first because I totally forgot about it. And then uh, start uh, like posting on Facebook different different updates about your your yeast or anything else. But like, so again, though, what would you need to be able to see bacteria? Like you said, oil immersion. Yeah. an oil immersion immersion. Um, it needs to be, um, a thousand, I'm sorry. It's a thousand X it's for what dropped. I dropped the zero for some reason to have an oil immersion. It needs to be, um, very bacteria are so small that you can't, you have to use a microscope to see them. Um, but they're also so small when you use the thousand X magnification on the microscope, um, it still doesn't give you a very clear picture of them. So you have to use what's, you have to put oil on your slide, um, and then put the, um, the magnification over it. Um, and it just bends the light a certain way so that it just makes them more clear for you to see. Um, and pretty much that's the only way to see bacteria is that way. Cause they're so tiny. Well, you can get on uh, Amazon. There's a 40X to 2000X for $194. See, microscopes are not that expensive. And I I was like, sorry, I just got really excited. I was driving home the other day and I thought, man, I really want a microscope. And it occurred to me that they're affordable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And we, yeah, we, we need you filling us in on all these, uh, these things that you would actually be able to uh, identify and understand. Yeah, and if I can take a picture of it. Well, I know for a fact that the the cameras that I mean this the um 
the smart or the smartphone um, photo thing might work better if you can see them because you can take a picture with your phone and that's not so inex- so expensive. I know that if you have a microscope and then the apparatus, the camera that sits on top of it is really expensive. Yeah, that d- is like it- four or five hundred dollars or something. Yeah, I'm looking here. I'm seeing some things with uh, that can connect to a computer. Three thirty nine to three ninety nine. I mean, yeah, they de- it definitely goes up in price to to get anything with that you can have that two hundred two thousand X. But uh, yeah, now I want to I want to see more more bacteria, and then and then we can actually start posting it on on firm up actual images of of some of these different things too. Because that's like that's kind of the hard thing because it's like I love looking at the microscopic images or especially electron microscopic things, but you know, the copyright on some of those doesn't, doesn't make it as easy to share just readily. So it'd be nice if, if you're, you're taking some and we can put it up on firm up. It'd be great. Everyone will be I happy. Will, I will definitely look into this. Cause you I can really, do the $10 one. You can, you can commit to that. I can one. do that. I can commit to that. And then I'll let everyone know if it works. Um, I may be committed to buying a digital microscope. Um, or just a microscope in general, depending on, I'll have to do some research and find a really good one for the right price, but I've been wanting one for, oh, like a while. I'd say like for at least six or seven months, but, and and I've always been kind of, and I don't know why I thought of this just recently. It's one of those things like you think about it for a little bit and you obsess about it and then you kind of forget about it and you're like, I don't really need it. I, what am I going to do with that? Um, but it just came back to me when I was trying to revive my sourdough starter. And that was kind of, I thought, well, is it even worth it for me to try to save this if there's not even yeast in there or are they all dead? And, you know, there's some things that you can do to test it, but you need a microscope to see what cells are dead and what cells are alive. So that was when I was like, Eureka, I totally forgot that I wanted a microscope. So I need to go get one. And then, you know, I haven't really had any time to look into it, but I know they're not that expensive. And again, we just proved it. It's not, you know, $200 gets you a nice microscope. 124 gets you a a thousand X digital, uh, USB connecting microscope. It's a student version of something, but Hey, it's got 80 reviews and four and a half stars. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's probably not great, but a thousand X would get you close. Yeah. Plus, I kind of want to say when people come over to my house, they're like, what is that? You have a digital gram scale and you have a microscope in your house. You guys are really weird Um, because I just got my other I I finally got my digital scale. Oh, yeah. How is it? Um, It's wonderful. I don't know how I live my life without it, to be honest. I use it like all the time. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Uh, Yeah, no, that's that's very good. Do you uh, do you care to share what what kind you got? Is it exciting? Um, is it? I don't remember. I can't oh, think of what okay. the name of it. Well, because I put it in my. Hold on. I have it in. I'm looking at Amazon now, and it was in my wish list. And my husband bought it for me. Um, oh, it may since he bought it, it may not be in my wish list anymore. Um, and I was just so excited that he bought it for me that I didn't really care what kind it was, but it works great. Um, but uh. I'm trying I to think could. of which one I, I, I have that I was actually surprised. Oh yeah. I use a, a kitchen scale, uh, KD 800 scale by my weight. It's like a cheap plastic body, but it doesn't look super bad. And 
uh, like it looks like metal, but it's definitely plastic, but Oh, it's, it's, it's so great. And it's so great because it has the, the Baker's, uh, measurements on it too. So that I, or Baker's math so that I can, I can 100% out the flour and then do everything else by percentage based on the hundred percent weight of the flour. It's, Oh, mm -hmm. um, and for like a inexpensive scale, it's definitely, definitely, I, I mean, that's the more recent scale that I have and it's, it, it works great. Yeah, we. Uh, what did you say? Which one? Which one did you say you have? KD eight thousand scale by my weight or oh. my weight. My weight that sounds very official and scientific, and yes. futuristic. Um, ours is just the. I'm going to mispronounce it. It's not just, just. It's a scale, so it's it's, it's scale. doesn't it's matter. The amazing Orzioziri. I totally mispronounced that. Um, I should be able to pronounce it because I know all these different types of weirdo bacteria names. It's O-Z-E-R-I. O-Z-E-R-I? O-Z-E-R-I. Oh, that sounds O-Z-E-R-I. O-Z-E-R-I. Yeah. Well, so I like a little, like, little, little elegant black flat tempered glass one? Um, it, well, it looks like it's really fancy and expensive because it's, it's like gray. So it kind of looks like it's stainless steel or silver. But this, the body is plastic, but the actual weight the scale part itself is like um, some kind of metal, Ooh. but it's the Oziri Pronto Digital Multifunction Kitchen and Food Scale. See, that's all you need. I mean, it's like it, and it makes a huge difference. Like these it things does. can change your world. Have you used them at all for fermentation of anything? Like for your sourdoughs? Um, yes, I've been using it to weigh out my flour and my water because it's a you know equal one to one ratio of flour to water. Um, so I've been using it for that. Minus whatever ecological cost or, or carbon cost there was for manufacturing of that scale, you're saving on water by not dirtying extra dishes too, but you can just put it all in one bowl. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I really love it. I don't know why I haven't had one before. Plus it's really nerdy and I love anything that's really nerdy. So. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to get a, just a little nerdy in the kitchen and then it makes a, it's just so much fun. It makes I mean, a huge difference. Come on, fermenting in the kitchen. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be nerdy, but okay. If someone's listening to this podcast, it's a little bit nerdy. So, you know, like get a scale if you don't have one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, and if ever, and, and if anybody else knows of like another skill, another skill that they use that might be better than the one, the ones we mentioned, maybe I'll upgrade. Well, they're all great. Like, that's scale. the nice thing is it, they're so inexpensive. I mean, they're in some ways less expensive than, than, uh, than a lot of the, the decent thermometer probes. So it's, it's like scale just makes sense. That's Although true. then that's the, that's the next thing incubation. That's what we got to get you to next. I need to, well, because I want to make one myself, but I'm going to look at this website that you just sent me the um, instructables.com. Instructables.com. Well, cause I'm really hoping, I mean, I could make it myself. Um, and that would be fun. But I'm really hoping that my husband makes one for me if I give him instructions because he likes that kind of stuff is like building stuff and he's really good at it. So I'm hoping that um, we can do it together and make it more of like a couples things like some people go watch movies and go out to dinner. We'll just stay home and like make incubators and bake bread. So that's romantic. I mean, that's romance. I mean, that's that's all you need. Light a few candles and you're fine. Just put on some. Exactly. You know. Barry Manilow or something like that, then you're good. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and it looks like, uh, instructables does have plenty of incubators and just searching incubator comes up with a lot of like, say 
chicken uh, chick incubators. But there's also one for how to build a ball python egg incubator as well. So, but I'm sure there's ones for fermentation. I mean, I know that there's things for fermentation on on here as well. Make your own yogurt, recycled yogurt, all kinds of no mess yogurt, yogurt. Yeah, a lot of the incubators are for for yogurt. So, I, I I've always liked Instructables just because it's just average normal people or at sometimes very creative and DIY like extreme people. And it's a good mix of, I'll generally go there if I'm trying to make something and see if they have it. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard of the website. So I'll probably become a fan and market in my favorites of things to check out and whenever you, I have like a question on, Oh, how do I make this? I want to make it at home. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good place to search for first. And if you are going to build an incubator, yeah, there's all, all, amazing kinds. And, um, I'm actually really liking the aquarium heater method. Have you heard of that before? Yeah. Yeah. I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. But, oh, well that's um, where, well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's, well, it's working really well. If I talked about it before, then it's, um, working surprisingly well for, uh, for Koji. I thought it would be a little bit too much humidity, but it's actually working really well to, 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 to grow the aspergillus orziae. Mm-hmm. Or is, I always have trouble with that one. Or is, or, or is a, how should I say that one? Aspergillus. I, I would, I say or is a, okay. So that's it's, how I say it. So that's how I've always said it, but it just never looks like that whenever I read it. Um, I mean, if I actually try and look at it, it doesn't look like that, but I, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of microbes, like you, they're pronounced completely different than how they look. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'll just I, keep saying it the way I do. But the other thing is like, no one unless you discovered this microbe and you named it yourself, there are so many different ways to pronounce them. You just kind of have to um, just go with it and kind of like, just act like you know how to say it. If you don't really know how to say it and just, just own it, just own up to it. <laughs> the, hey, I mean, that's what people have to do with like things like uh kefir slash kefir too. I mean, it's like that one's the one that's even like heated debate, which way is it? Which, which one, one is it? And I mean, and, and I actually swing both ways on that. Sometimes it's like kefir and especially after we did that stuff with the, 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 the ginger beer and mm-hmm. I started looking in Google, Google books, old Google books from the 1800s and uh, found some on, on, uh, or the early 1900s, different time periods on uh, kefir and on, on yogurt. And when kefir is spelled with like a P H Y R kind of spelling that definitely like the way it looked, it definitely looked like kefir. Like there was like, no, there was no way I could make it into kefir. And so then after I am looking at those kind of things, then it's, it's kefir. And then, or, or if I hear Sandra Katz talk, it's kefir, but then other times it's like, Oh, there's some kefir. It's like, it just comes out either way. I, 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 I just can't choose. Well, it's like tomato, tomato, potato, potato. It's one of, you know, that kind of saying, like you just kind of, everyone has their own way of saying things and, but what I'm saying is I don't have my own way. I'm saying <laughs> I'm, go, lo- I'm a lost, I'm a lost, uh, lost kefir, kefir talker. I think it's fine. I, I mean, I think it's just personally, it's more of context too. I mean, well, it's kefir, kefir and kefir are the same thing, but just how you pronounce them. So yeah, uh, just go back and forth and just confuse people and just, you know, have an air of mystery. Like, what's he going to say next? Is it going to be kefir uh, or kefir? Yeah. Something else that uh, I ran into that actually is about confusing people. I think, uh, did you look at that link from a couple weeks ago from NPR for the, uh, the blending of red wine with a Porter ale? I did. I, I actually heard it on the news. What do you or, think of like, that? I was, 
I thought it was really cool. I didn't, I, and I think it's a great idea. Um, I did not know it existed. Um, and we found some, um, at the home, at the brew shop down the street from us and we bought some. Um, oh, so it's not, it, is it something just one place that's doing it or are multiple places kind of doing this? I, you know, I can't remember the name of the brewery that, in the, that's in the NPR, um, story. Um, but the brewery that we found that did it was Dogfish Head. It was a, like a 90 minute IPA, um, fermented with Syrah must, which is just like the skins of the Syrah grapes. Um, and it tastes pretty good. It, it's kind of, it tastes like, um, a, an IPA hoppy beer, but it's sweeter and it is kind of tart, a little tart. So does that mean you don't like it? Tart as like, in like sour beer kind of tart? No, like not like sour beer tart. Like that's like Jolly Ranchers in your mouth, in my mind. Um, wow. It was tart. <laughs> it was tart enough that I liked it, but I don't know if I would be able to drink a lot of it. Um, but my husband really liked it. And the guy, the guy at the brew shop told us that the reason why um, the brewmaster who owns Dogfish Head did it and decided to brew this beer, whether it was because uh, different breweries were doing it, or I don't know who came up with what, who was the first one to do it, to create this beer wine um, marriage between the two. Um, But the brewmaster did it because whenever he would go to visit people, he didn't know if he needed to take beer or wine. Um, I think that's how the story goes. So he would take both and then they would mix them together. Kind of like, which would be different than what this is. It's just like, that's what the inspiration was. Yeah. That was the inspiration um, of the beer. Was it six sixty one? Or Yes. That's the name of the beer. Uh, because yeah, it looks like, yeah, there's Hancock is a place from NPR dogfish and as well as uh, Oculus Dexter number one by crooked stave artesian beer project in Denver. So there, the, yeah, there's definitely a few that are doing this kind of thing. And, and so what, like, do you, do you, do you think it's a, it's a, does it offer different kind of complexity and flavor than is otherwise available? Or is it more like a novelty to, in your mind? I think it's more of a novelty. Um, okay. it ta- it, to me, it does taste a little bit like a sour beer. It doesn't really taste. If you were to just hand me that and just not tell me anything about it, I would probably say, Oh, this tastes like a sour beer. Not as sour as what you would think of, but there's something else in here that I can't figure out because it would be the hops because it's it is pretty hoppy, um, and bitter that way. Um, but I wouldn't think like it would be any different, or I wouldn't even wouldn't even imagine that it was like be, half of it was wine or made out of um, must. But it's still it's kind of the at least the sixty one that we tried was. Um, like slightly pink in color, like more like a cross between red and pink. So, so it doesn't really look like beer. So that's kind of fun. So again, yeah. novelty kind of more so. Yeah. And it's fun to drink and think that, oh, it's half beer, half wine. Um, but I think it's a good option. It's something different. And that's kind of what people are looking for, different options besides just beer or just wine. Sometimes um, whenever we go to a restaurant or something, you want something different. So. Hey, yeah. I like um, it. And, uh, and, and I actually saw in the, in the local 
Is there a way that these things are referred to as those like local papers, the ones that are always free in most, most cities that like the, the square size things? Oh yeah. We get those too. I don't know what they're called. Information, little piece of newspapers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But I mean, because they've got like valid articles in them sometimes and it's like a place to look for events. It's like in different stuff like that. So, I mean, but I, I picked it up because it was uh, like uh, the, Wisconsin wide world of beer. And they had on the front page talking about sour brews for adventurous drinkers. And it made me think of you. Um, and oh, there's well, more, there's cute. more sour beer being brewed in Wisconsin than I realized. So oh. I'm going to have to pay more attention this next summer because it doesn't yeah, seem I like mean, it's, as, is it more of a summer thing or but maybe not out, but where you're at, but um, I think it, I don't know because I don't really go and drink a lot of sour beer. Oh, yeah, so I don't right. really, I don't really know if like that is something that is, that people drink in the summertime more so than in the winter. Um, but I kind of, it kind of fits in my, I'm just thinking of it. Like if I liked sour beers a lot, what would I, when would I drink it? Because I just think of what it tastes like. And I think, Oh, summer would be perfect. Cause it's hot. It's, it is refreshing in the way that, um, some beers, some like craft beers are pretty heavy and pretty high in alcohol and, um, bitter that way. So it, they're not as they're refreshing, but not as refreshing as something like crisp and light or, you know, fruity. So I'd probably drink it in the summer. So then that's when we're going to do our, our episode on sour beers, just okay. like talking about them. We'll do it in the summer. It sounds good. <laughs> you your arm will be twisted. My arm. I think my arm is very twisted. We've talked a lot about sour beer. <laughs> And uh, something else that's not twisted, but a little, little, little different is your, uh, you were reading recently about microbes as state official state, uh, state microbes, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was reading this in a magazine, um, on an airplane. Um, it was sky mall. That's the name of the magazine with all the weird stuff in it. Oh, good old Sky Mall. <laughs> it was not Sky Mall. It was like, you know, when you fly certain airlines, they have like that airlines um, magazine. There's lots of different stuff in it. And there's like usually it talks about like the best, the 10 best cardiologists in the world and like where the newest Brazilian steakhouse is opening or something like that. Um, but this one I just happened to glance on into it. And it was talking about how Hawaii was trying to ha be the first state to have an official microbe. Cause you know, every state has like a state flag and a state bird and a state flower and those types of things, but there's not a state that has an official microbe. Um, and Hawaii, um, one of the professors at the university of Hawaii, um, one of his students that was working for him found this type of bacteria that grows on or helps to, to decay a certain type of wood, wood that's found in Hawaii. Um, and it's pretty, I guess, ubiquitous all over Hawaii. And they decided that they should try to make this, the state microbe be the first ones. Um, and from what I read afterwards, cause it didn't really give too much information as to whether it did become the first one or if they're still in the works, but um, the Hawaii state legislature um, did not pass it this year, but it's on the docket for 2014. So they may become the first state, but there's also two other states that are in the running for having a, a state microbe and that's Oregon and Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually was 
thinking it was like a little deja vu the first time that I, that I saw you had uh, linked to this, this article, because I was thinking back, I was like, isn't that, weren't there other States that tried? And then I realized that they've tried, but they haven't actually like one of the, like one of the more uh, first episodes of, of firm up was talking about that when like the first few weeks or something I remember. And because, you know, Wisconsin has uh, lactococcus lactus as the, the potential state micro, but that was back in 2009. Why is it though that states are against it? Did, did you find anything about that? Like, why is it just that they don't want to add one more thing? Like, or, or like, why, why wouldn't it just be like, oh, sure. Or is it because they don't want to be associated with something that may be found to be a killer microbe at some point And like, then they screwed up. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, I wish I knew the answer to that because I thought the same thing, but it didn't really explain it in any of the articles. Um, and I couldn't find any information as to why they didn't pass. Um, but the, this professor in Hawaii thinks and hopes, um, along with other educators that it'll just be like a learning tool and to tell people and, um, help people learn that not all microbes are bad. Um, there are some that are beneficial. Now, the ones that, um, the Hawaiian state microbe, the potential Hawaiian state microbe is some type of tree bacteria. Um, so it's not really food related, but, um, the one in Oregon is Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is the, the yeast that's usually used to make beer. And then you said the, in Wisconsin, the lactococcus lactis to make cheese. So I thought that was pretty neat that those are the, I mean, they're, those are the definition of fermentation in food bacteria and or organisms in my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's just, uh, it, it seems fitting enough and I just, I want to, I, I want to see that happen. I, and I mean, I guess, I don't know, is it something like it's harder to claim things now? Like back in the day, people could like states could claim what they wanted because first come first serve kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I wish I knew the answer to that. I bet it was just a, I don't know. Because I don't ever really think of state birds or plants or different things like that. I'm not, and maybe if I was a bird person, I mean, I, I like birds, but I just, I'm not like a bird watcher by any means. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't really think of those kind of state things that often, but I think like that professor was talking about, or you're saying how, you know, it would be a nice educational thing and also might get people to think more about like, Oh yeah. What is my state's other uh, state official state things? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember learning about state, birds and flowers and that sort of thing. When I was in elementary school, I learned them for the state of Indiana, but that was just because uh, that's where I grew up. And that was, you know, you learn that kind of stuff in school, but in California and Oregon and, and any of the other places I've lived, I have no idea. Don't really think about it. Live my life very contently without knowing what the state bird of Oregon is. And I know lots of Oregonians might be really mad that I don't know, but I don't really think much of it. So I don't know why there is such a big deal and why this hasn't passed to have like a state microbe. Well, maybe, maybe someday it will. Yeah. It sounds like they're getting closer. More, more states are getting interested in it. So maybe it's one of those things like, okay, fine. We'll just do it. Cause every state's just going to do it. But what I like that jump off the bridge too. I'm trying to think of like what certain states, it kind of makes emblematic sense or, or industry sense. Or, or like say for Hawaii with their, I mean, they kind of have a little bit different of a, like different plans and different things there. So I just can't think of what it'd be for every state. Like, I feel like some states would kind of just be like, oh, I got this one that, 
no one knows anything about and really isn't that cool. Like, do you think it's partly that people, the states just don't want to hurt any other states' feelings for claiming something first? Uh, maybe that or, would be kind or of like, funny. Yeah, I know that there's like a like a not a war, but like California versus uh, Wisconsin dairy. I mean, I know there's like industry battles there, so I mean, maybe it's something where it's like we don't want to pass this bill because there's other things with California that we don't want to upset them about or something. I don't know how that would work. I just, I don't even know where this comes up. It seems like we're trying to decide other kinds of more important things. And then there's a microbe. No, we're just going to pass. it. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of funny that it even got as, as far as to like the, you know, the state Senate and state legislature. Um, Cause there, you know, the, the, there's always lots of bigger things and more important things to talk about, but it's just kind of funny that, you know, this made it and it's such a literally a small thing. Um, Well, yes, literally it is. And it it is important though. I mean, as people, as we're all learning, I mean, these microbes are more important than were once thought of or or considered very often. So, I mean, like microbes are a hot topic right now and, and uh, fermentation fits right in with that too. And, and so it's nice to see if nothing else that, that the, it's it's getting out there that people are showing enough interest that it's like hey we could actually have a state state micro yeah i bet it'll pass this year um and then a lot of other states will follow suit and want to be part of the cool elite crowd of having a state microbe so um and and also there's just more more talk about microbes and um in a positive way um than before so I wouldn't be surprised if it passed this year. Now, do you think how, how far stretching do you think that is? Like, I mean, I feel like, uh, NPR, I see a lot of articles and, and, um, and audio regarding microbes and fermentation. And I see it all the time, but I mean, I'm sure I'm kind of biased in that regard, seeing all of this, like, like how far out, like, is it making it into like a mainstream television? Like, are there references on, on sitcoms and different things about microbes or fermentation? Has it made it that far? Or well, in like, Japan, they have that one TV show. Well, okay. So, well, <laughs> yes. I mean, have you watched any more of that? No, I haven't. <laughs> I was telling my husband about it and he just looked at me and was like, that is so weird. Oh, the, well, when you're making your incubators and you have those candles on, just put on a few episodes of uh, Moyashimon and you'll be set. Oh, yeah. Totally romantic evening <laughs> at our house. Valentine's Day is coming up. So, hey, there you maybe go. We will do that. Um, um, well, anyway, going back to <laughs> your question, I'm not sure if it's hip hop culture like that. But, yeah, it's all over the place on like NPR. Um, there is another. I just heard one today about colicky babies and giving colicky babies probiotics when they're young um, or babies when they're young. And then that has given them scientists suggestive evidence that it helps with colic and helps reduce the chances of having a colicky baby. Um, That was just something I heard today. And that was just kind of just me half listening to the radio. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of one of those things too. Like you and I are so involved in it and we're so aware of it. It's kind of like when you get a new car, like a new Toyota Corolla, um, you may not, it's then like all of a sudden you see tons of Toyota Corollas or, um, you're driving and you're in California and all of a sudden you see a Wisconsin license plate. And then all of a sudden you see like 10 license plates from Wisconsin that day. So 
Yeah. So it's probably not quite there yet, but, uh, soon it will be. I mean, and yeah, I guess thinking about like the, the conversation we had with the fermented man, I mean, uh, before Derek was the fermented man, um, that he is on his way of becoming now. And this year, I mean, it's like, uh, like he was talking about not having necessarily that much, uh, or people didn't necessarily understand fermentation or different things like that. So I'm assuming it's probably the same with just microbes in general, or even the, the, the microbiome. It's something that is starting to become well talked about. I feel it's like, it's a term that a lot of people know, but it's still probably not nearly mainstream. Yeah. Like, I mean, we don't have anyone rapping about the microbiome or anything like that. I don't think <laughs> that would be pretty funny though. Um, Oh, maybe we should start like, have you ever heard of Nerdcore? I think that's what it's called. Yes. <laughs> we should start some firm core or something like that. Firm core. And just like, just sing about the like nerdiest fermentation related thing. I mean, rap about it and, and it'll become total hit. Number one on YouTube. Exactly. For sure. Um, no, I think, well, I just feel as if there's a lot of people who are more aware of it than before. A lot of people like there's a lot of restaurants um, here in Southern California that do or are starting to make a lot of fermented foods in house. Um, So I think that's kind of cool. And that's they're bringing awareness to the fermentation revolution that's happening. Um, And then a lot of those people find out about it who may not have known a lot about fermentation go home and Google it and figure out about it. And they hear, I think a lot of it is like health driven, um, more so than, um, you know, science driven people want to be, at least here, people are very healthy and they're always concerned about, um, you know, obviously food tasting good, but being healthy as well. So I think that's kind of a big thing. Well, Um, and it's a win-win kind of thing. If fermentation can taste so good, um, that, you know, it's, it's nice that it can, can be healthy at the same time. And, and, it is one of the, yeah, I, like when I think about that is definitely like, it's coming from many different angles. You have the science side of it. You have the, the talks or different things about the microbiome and, and bacteria. And even it's becoming a little bit more well-known uh, or understanding about like, oh, antibacterial soaps or antibiotics may not be good to use all the time or overprescribe or different things in animals or humans. And right. you know, those things are becoming a little bit more commonplace. A lot of people are starting to understand that, but then, yeah, there's definitely that side depending on what region a person lives in where there's, you know, kimchi being put onto to menus at non um, Asian cuisine restaurants. There's different things crossing culinary uh, divides and, and people are being exposed to things whether or not they have the the language or the terminology to talk about it. Oh, I'm eating fermented food. People are being exposed to it, different things. I think more so by food and, and it's like, it's a, uh, it's food. I mean, food is a great way to introduce people to other things, be it other cultures, history, other, anything. I mean, food is, is like the, the, the gateway communicator. I feel. It is everyone, everyone I th- that's, I think that's how a lot of people get into it is they go to a restaurant and they realize that sauerkraut is a fermented product because that's what I've run into is a lot of people don't realize that a lot of food that they eat and enjoy or things that go into foods that are not fermented are from fermented precursors or, um, so it's just, I mean, there's such a back story behind fermentation and people don't even realize that a lot of their food, no matter what is fermented. Um, 
And that leads them to be interested in it and to look into it more and then realize that they can do it themselves. And they can listen to firm up. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all, that's all, they, that's all they have to do. Um, well, should we, uh, should we call it a, call it a, call it a Martin Luther King Jr. Day or yeah. quit or however that would be. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop talking. That is. And, and the show and the show. Okay. There we go. Let's, uh, yeah. And, uh, you can find, I'll try to be good. We're, uh, with the the links of the different things that we just talked about and, and put those in, but I know we we're kind of all over the place today with uh, uh, different things. So I'll put those in the show notes. You'll find those at firmup.com slash podcast slash 49. And you can also find us on Twitter or Facebook at firmup. And until next time, firm up.